0: everybody, we'd like to welcome you into to this past Sunday's sermon from Pastor Mark Lindsay on August the 8th. Enjoy. One day, there will be one day for each of us. I know you have your Bibles with you, so I encourage you to walk with me through some verses from the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And I put up the wrong reference there. So I'll take that on me. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 will be the text uh, this morning. Last Sunday, Roger effectively shared with us the importance of one. One person whom God has placed in your life, who has yet to come to faith in Christ. Who's your one? We have many resources available for you to be able to reach that one for Christ. We have resources available to you. To enable you to pray for your one. There's bookmarks. And the bookmark is in your worship guide. And in that worship guide where the bookmark is, there's an opportunity, a place for you to write down the name of who's your one. And then you can tear off the portion that is the smallest portion at the top put that somewhere that will remind you each day to pray for that one and then there are scripture references for you to read each and every day and I failed to bring with me, but there is a prayer guide. All these are available uh on the west side and the north side in the four a prayer guide that follows along these verses, and you can check them off and you can pray for your one. We also have references uh for you to be able to utilize In order to help your one see Christ as Savior on the tables, there are these, uh, Gospels of Mark that are well written. And not only are they well written in the way that people can understand, but gives some opportunities for you to answer some questions that are, that may arise as well. And then there are also cards that enable you to share the plan of salvation, uh, with your one as well. And so my desire, is that we would do whatever it takes to reach and to lead your one to Jesus Christ as Savior. There's a tourist who was uh, visiting the island of Malta, which is a Mediterranean island where, where it is hot every day. And he was, he, he was appalled by the chaotic traffic. He, st- he would stand on the corners. Uh, of the streets and watch as cars and buses just went every which way with no apparent order. Flabbergasted by this, he tracked down a policeman and asked him about the traffic and how difficult and disorderly it was. The policeman said to him this. He said, in some countries, people drive on the right side of the road. In other countries, people drive on the left side of the road. Here we drive in the shade. Now, now, I, I don't know about you, but I think maybe we need to adopt that same philosophy out here in, in West Texas. But the reality is the The world is full of people who are always wanting to drive in the shade. That is, they want to cool their heels, drink lemonade, kick back and relax and take the easy way through life. Just to make it through life without any hiccups or any interruptions or any obstacles. And that goes not only through our secular life, but also through our religious life or through our Christian life as well. But that was not what described the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was one who had a passion, he had a zeal, he had a fire, he had an obsession to win people to Christ. He had this whatever it takes mentality. And for you to... For you to understand a bit of of Paul's desires, I, I want to read a portion of his testimony in First Corinthians, and chapter nine and verses nineteen through twenty three. You can make your way over there if you like. First Corinthians, chapter nine, verses nineteen through twenty three. Now, now this is a part of Paul's testimony. He says, "Though I am free and belong to no man." I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I'm not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. Now now listen to him. He says to the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. He said I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in his blessings. Paul in his own testimony said, my attitude toward my life is to do whatever it takes to win others to Christ. Now, if you, if, you, if you look at that testimony, in essence, he is saying this. He is saying, I will do anything. I will go anywhere. I will pay any price. I will endure any cost. I will make any sacrifice to win anyone at any time to Jesus Christ. As long as it does not compromise the scriptures or the gospel of Christ. And when you look at Paul, for him the message was non-negotiable. No matter who the person was to whom he was speaking, no matter where the, what their background was, the message was always the same. The message was non-negotiable, but his methods were always flexible. And friends, we as a church must decide if we will do whatever it takes to win the lost to Jesus Christ. We have to make the decision whether we will do whatever it takes to lead people to Christ. Are we willing to change the way we've always done things if that is necessary? Would we be willing to give up our own personal preferences if that is what it takes? How about breaking with tradition, if that is what it takes? Could it be we need to be dissatisfied with the status quo, how things are now, if that is what it takes? See, as a church, we must creatively and strategically think of how we can do whatever it takes to reach more people who are lost and dying without Christ in our community and even around the world with a message of God's love for them. We as a church need to determine, are we going to do whatever it takes for others to know Jesus Christ as Savior? But then we have to get more personal. Are you willing to do whatever it takes for your one to come to faith In Christ. Mark illustrates this whatever it takes kind of attitude in Mark chapter 2 and verses 1 through 12. He reveals an an instance or, or a moment early in Jesus' ministry. These men are wanting to bring their sick friend to Christ, but they are, they are encountering all kinds of obstacles. People are standing in their way. But yet their whatever it takes attitude makes a way and their friend is transformed by Jesus. Let's read about that. Stand with me as we read God's word. Mark chapter 2 and verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. We're told a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, and not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the man on his mat upon which he was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, their faith includes not only the four men, but the paralyzed man on the mat. Verse 6. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything else like this. Pray with me. Father, be not silent in the reading of your word. Father, be not silent In the preaching of your word Father be not silent In our hearing of the word But Father God may you speak And give us ears to hear And hearts to obey Father this is all for you Now we listen In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen and amen. Thank you, you may be seated. You might have noticed these men were willing to do whatever it takes to bring their friend to meet Jesus. Now now let's put this down to the bottom line. This one paralytic man, this man became their one. Just as we are asking for you to seek out your one. And by the way, in your worship God, there's, there's some guidelines and some things to think about in choosing your one. This paralytic man was their one. And their attitude ought to be our attitude in bringing our one to Jesus as well. But, but what, were, what was their attitude? Now, now, here's their attitude. Number one, they were compassionate. And since this paralyzed man could not get to Jesus on his own, his friends carried him to Capernaum. Now, they knew if they could somehow get their friend to Jesus, then Jesus could transform their friend's life. Now, understand, this was an act of compassion, not an act of pity. See, pity simply sees the need and feels sorry for the person who has the need, but compassion confronts the need and does something about it. You know, these men did not go to their paralyzed friend and say to him, Oh, we are so sorry you could not get to see Jesus. Uh, Maybe next time. Instead, they came to him and they said, We are taking you to Jesus. And for too long, the church has sat behind its stained glass windows and had this attitude toward those who are without Christ out in the community and out in the world. Oh, I'm so sad that they have do not know the love of Jesus that I have. Maybe someday, somebody will tell them how to know Jesus as well. But instead, our attitude ought to be, Lord... Here am I. Send me. I want to be the one to tell the people... Of your love and of your grace. Because when compassion takes hold of a follower of Christ, he gets energized and prays for his one. He tells his faith story to his one and shares the good news of Jesus Christ with his one. When there is compassion in your heart, your one is prayed for. Your one is shared with. Your one is loved. So let me ask you again. Who's your One. See, the attitude of these four men was one, compassion. But secondly, it's also one of cooperation. They were cooperative. They carried this man man together. It was not just one. It was not just two, but it was a team effort. All four men, one in each corner of his mat. And Paul acknowledged leading people to Christ is a team effort. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. This is my go-to verse for evangelism. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And let me share with you my definition of evangelism. Because many of us have this sense that, well, I am not an evangelist. I can't stand and preach to people. Or I cannot get down and confront people with their sin. Well, here's my definition of evangelism. And it fits into your life as well as to mine. Evangelism is this. It is whatever you do to help Another person to take one step closer to Jesus. It's whatever you do. To help one person, to help your one, to take one step closer to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, you may plant the seed in the life of your one. And God will then bring along others to water the seed you have planted. And then God may will put someone at the point of reaping the seed you planted and that others watered. And that person comes to faith. It could be your one already has a seed planted in his or her life and God's calling you to water that seed. And then at some point, God's going to bring someone to that person's life and they will reap the seed somebody else planted and others had watered. Or it could be that your one is at the point of coming to faith in Christ. Not because you're eloquent, not because you have all the answers, not because you have the scripture memorized, but only because somebody at some point planted a seed in that person's life. And along the way, others have been watering that seed, and God just lets you be there to rejoice when the harvest is made. You see, evangelism is anything you do to help another person, to help a person take another step to Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you to cooperate in God's plan for your one. I want you to do this. I want you to pray for God to place others in the pathway of your one. You've written down his or her name. And you've been reading the scriptures and you've been praying for them. I want you to ask others to cooperate with you and to pray for your one. And then secondly, I want you to ask others to to God, ask God to place others in the pathway of your one. God may have laid upon your heart one person. But in your praying for that person, say, God, would you place people in the pathway to water this seed that has already been planted in this person's life? God, I can't do it on their own. I I will not always be in their presence 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So would you put others in their pathway that will cooperate with me and join me? See, these four men cooperated together. It wasn't just one man. It was four who became involved in this person's life. And we have to have the attitude of compassion. We need the attitude of cooperation, but also the attitude of being committed. Did did you catch what was their difficulty, their obstacle? Mark says they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. This tiny house was crowded and filled and overflowing with people who were there wanting to listen to the words of this teacher, listening to the words of Jesus. And as they come, bearing this man, now I'm sure everybody knows them. When, when you have four men carrying a stretcher with another man lying on it, you, can, you know that, per, that that those people are there. But no one would budge. No one would step aside and say, come on in. But instead, they were preventing this man to be able to see Jesus. Now, most of us probably would have taken our sick friend back home and said, well, we tried. I I gave it a shot, God. But other things stood in the way. But these men came to receive the power of Jesus. And they were not going to leave without it. So they tore the roof off. See, even though people and a roof constructed of sticks and dried mud used as mortar threatened to block their way, these men kept moving toward Jesus. Now let me ask you, what is standing in your way? What is the obstacle obstacle before you that is keeping you from taking your friend to Jesus? What is standing in the way that's keeping you from praying continually and constantly and faithfully for the one God has placed in your life who does not know Jesus? What is standing in your way from telling them your faith story of what's gone on in your life with Christ? What is standing in your way with sharing with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus' love for them? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Could it be a lack of faith? Maybe it's apathy. Do you know when you put all these obstacles together, what you are doing is this. You are saying to God, God, I'm relying upon me to get the job done. I'm fearful they might reject me. I'm afraid of what they might say. I'm anxious because I don't want to get in that situation. I'm just apathetic because, you know, I, I really don't care about them. I don't have that compassion It's it's, we're saying, God, I'll get it done. But the reality is you can do nothing apart from the power of Christ in you. Jesus in John chapter 15 and verse 5 said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, that one will bear much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. See, don't give up. With Christ living in you, the eternal destiny of your one is at stake. So do whatever it takes for your one to be able to see Jesus. I want to alleviate your fears right now. God does not expect you to save anyone. He expects you to be the vessel for, through whom he brings salvation to your one. As a branch, Jesus said, just stay connected to the vine who is God the Father himself. When you stay connected to him, then God's going to give you those opportunities to be able to shine the light of Christ in that person's life. See, they were compassionate. They were cooperating with one another. They were committed to the task. But finally, they were creative. They're creative. You see, desperate desperate faith leads people to do desperate things. So these men got up on the roof. And they started chopping and digging through the roof, unconcerned about the expense or the damage of the roof. Uh, It was going to cost them something. They knew it, but... Their only thought is getting their friend to Jesus. See, People of faith ought to always look for creative ways to introduce their one to Jesus. I would say to you, use acts of kindness. I I would say, find a way to serve them in one form or fashion. Write to them a note or a... Or a text or a tweet or or an email or something to let them know how important they are to you and how much you care for them. Invite them to dinner at your house. They, uh, creatively open up opportunities for spiritual conversations. See, there's a, a numerous ways to develop relationships with your one and to share the gospel. But the bottom line is this. We have to be intentional. It's not just going to happen by accident. It's not going. There's not going to be a coincidence where all of a sudden you're in this person's presence uh, at home or at school or at work or out in the community. You have to be intentional. Plan and prepare prayerfully the manner in which you will connect with your one. And every encounter you have with your one should have the purpose of helping that one. Take one step closer to Jesus Christ. Compassionate. Cooperative. Committed. Creative. That's what I see in these four men who brought their friend to Jesus. But out of that story, there, there are others we, we did not mention and talk about. There were the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. There was a crowd. and but But out of that story... With whom do you identify the most? It could be you identify with a paralyzed man. Now, not because you're paralyzed physically, but because spiritually you're bound by sin and need Jesus to forgive you. You go back up and read at the first part of Mark chapter 2. And I want you to notice this. Because what was taking place in that day is taking place At this moment. And it is this. Jesus is in the house and he has power to heal. Jesus is in this place. And he has a power to heal you of your sin and of your infirmities. He has the power to heal And if you will come to Him and admit your need for your sins to be forgiven and trust in His death upon the cross as payment for your sin, then He will say to you, as He told that man lying on that mat in front of Him, covered with dust and dirt, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Forgiveness. Have you ever stopped to think about the forgiveness of your sin. We, we tend to just pass over it. We tend to say it because we've said it many times again. But this week I, I stopped. I began to contemplate what that means. Forgiveness is costly. It was paid for by Jesus upon the cross. His forgiveness was verified in His resurrection. His forgiveness was sealed with His ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit. But His forgiveness will culminate in His rapture. Friends, if you have the faith in Him to forgive you of your sin, then you are ready to see Jesus. Perhaps you identify with that paralyzed man. In need of healing today. Or it could be... You see yourself like the four friends who want to open their way... Open the way for their one to see Jesus. Well, we see a couple of dichotomies in this story. But here, here's one of the contrast that is extremely evident to me. These four men were trying to make their way to Jesus. But the crowd was keeping them from coming to Jesus. See, you're either actually bringing people to Christ, or else you are just coming and sitting and listening and then going home. A man by the name of Charles Spurgeon was a, was a, a famous preacher in the 19th century. Uh, he, he was pastor of the... Of the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. And I read a portion of his sermon on this same passage. And I was intrigued by what he said. Well over 100 years ago. He said the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were content to sit by as Jesus was performing this miracle. And in that sermon he applied it to Christians of today. Who are simply satisfied with sitting by. He described them and put them in a category as church attendees who were basically good for nothing. All they did was take up space. Let me tell you, in the 19th century, preaching was a whole lot bolder than it is today. But Spurgeon told these Christians who were content to sit by to never... Return. He told the people in his congregation, if you're just here sitting by, but you're not actively trying to help another person take one more step closer to Jesus Christ. He said, you stay home because all you're doing is taking up space. He didn't know what the reaction was going to be. But he said that next week, hundreds of people came to him. They were so convicted by the sermon. They said, Preacher, I want you to know that I am no longer just going to sit by and let those who do not know Christ to go to hell. But he said, they told me, we're going to be like those four friends the very next Sunday. Spurgeon walked into the, stepped into the pulpit of his church, and for a moment, nothing was said. There was a stillness, a pause over the congregation, because he said it looked as if every single person who's a member of his church had brought one friend who did not know Jesus. And after the preaching of the Word, there were multiple, multiple salvations, multiple people who came to faith in Jesus Christ. And you can trace back to that Sunday in the 19th century, the start of a great spiritual awakening in London that spread across the pond to the United States of America. Why? Because of people of faith... In one congregation, found their one, and prayed for them, and told them their faith story, and shared within the love of Jesus Christ, and the awakening began to spread. Friends, what would happen in our church? If each and every one of us next Sunday brought our one to be a part of our worship and to hear the gospel of Christ proclaimed, what would happen if we made up our mind? That we're not going to just sit by any longer. We're not going to be pew sitters. We're not going to take up space any longer. But we're going to do everything we can with the compassion in our hearts and cooperating with everyone else within the congregation and to be committed and creative to share the gospel of Christ with our one. I'll tell you what would happen. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit Would overwhelm us You see Mark chapter 2 verse 12 tells us this After everyone had witnessed what had taken place The, the roof being opened up And this paralyzed man lowered on the mat And these four friends looking down And Jesus looking up And then looking at the paralyzed friend And telling him Son your sins are forgiven Take up your mat and walk We're told after Soaking all this in, verse 12. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this.
1: Friends, I long
0: for the day... When there's such an outpouring of the Spirit of God upon us and in us and through us that we would just sit in awe and say, I've never seen anything like this before. Let me tell you, it's not impossible. That's exactly what the Father wants. But it's going to take you and me ready and willing to stay connected to Him and to take our one And help them take one step closer to Jesus Christ. Who's your one? Whatever it takes, let them see Jesus in you. Father, we stand before you and come before you as helpless. For on our own, Nothing of eternal nature can be accomplished. Father, you have not called us to a task for us to plan and purpose and to implement. Father, you already have the plan. You already have the purpose. You're already implementing it through the faithfulness of your people. But Father, all you expect of us, to be the vessel through which you can use. Lord, our prayer is this take us and lead us. For here we are. Lord, send me. Take my life and let it be consecrated to You, Lord. And Father, send us. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Would you stand with me?